Hello, everyone, and welcome to North 100, a Canadian Highlander podcast. I'm Serge. Joining me, as always, I have a Jer. Hello. An Alex. An young Asael. And a Ben. My clones are multiplying. There's so many of you. So many. Uh, a reminder that North 100 is brought to you by you with your support over at the Patreon at patreon.com slash loadingreadyrun, as well as with the new YouTube subscriptions. Thank you, regardless of how you choose to support us. All right, let's jump right in to our opening segment, the best card that you're not playing. Up today, uh, I have a Wheeler. Wheeler, tell me your uh, your secret spice. I've got a one-mana artifact card that people have been asking me to talk about since the beginning. They say, Ben, you always include this card in your decks. We want to hear about it. Candelabra. But so nope. rings in every commander. <laughs> no, of course, I'm talking about Retrofitter Foundry. <laughs> Whoa, sorry, what? So actually, I don't... I have only started playing this somewhat recently in the past month. However, there are Victoria locals that have been jamming this since the dawn of time. What does this do? What? Let's let's cover this card. So Retrofitter Foundry is a one mana artifact. It says pay three, untap Retrofitter Foundry. Okay. It doesn't stop there though, because that would be useless. Uh, it also has pay two, tap, create a one one servo artifact token creature. Uh, it also has pay one, tap, sacrifice a servo, make a 1-1 one, one Thopter artifact creature with flying. Mm -hmm. And then it has tap, sacrifice a Thopter, make a 4-4 four, four construct uh, artifact creature token. So this card mostly came to my attention recently after not like kind of thinking that it was just some dumb card you'd include in your academy rank I mean, deck. I was gonna say, I've always wanted to spend, what, like four mana and three turns to make a 4-4? Four, four? Well, here's the thing. You're not set to making 4-4s. Four, You're set to making a whole bunch of 1-1s. One, a whole bunch. Um, what really made this card jump out to me was the inclusion, or the printing of Urza, Lord High Artificer from Modern Horizons. Uh-oh. Um, that card is absolutely busted, which also just catapulted this card to being uh, quite a ranching. So the reason why I'm high on this card now is mostly because of Urza, but I probably should have been playing this card for the past year in Academy decks. Paradox Engine deck, um, maybe not eggs, but like your general Academy ramp for sure should be playing this card. It's a cheap enough artifact that you can tutor <clears throat> up through Trinket Mage, Fabricate, a small Whir of Invention, whatever it may be. Well, Artificer's Intuition yeah, if you're one, feeling yeah. feisty. Hmm. Um, it pumps out more artifacts, which is pretty good. Uh, Academy decks typically like it when you make more artifacts off of all, an already cheap artifact. Uh, with your namesake card in play, this card already just breaks even on mana, and then continues to just poop out a bunch of blockers that make your academy really disgusting. So let me, let me think of like a line here. I'm so sorry to cut you no, off. No, no, it's But fine. like, okay, you have Urza in play. Yeah. You cast Retrofitter Foundry. Right. Then you get a trigger, a Thopter comes into play, tap it for blue with Urza, then sacrifice it. You're thinking of Psy. There's a lot of old blue Ur men Urza, in this deck. Urza artifacts tap for blue. Oh, I was thinking of Psy. Right, okay. Basically, it just says that, so like anything that generates more artifacts or that can put out more artifacts into play with cards like Urza being abundant, although Psy is nice too, getting more things to sacrifice or getting more Thopters to then just turn into 4-4s. I was going to say, it's like 
Sai and uh, Thopter Sword and Sahili, just things that let you like hmm. jump the curve. And especially the first time, like people are going to attack into Sai th- plus Thopter plus this, and you'll just like sacrifice my Thopter, and they're like, "But you had to sacrifice a Thopter from that," and you're like, "No." It also gives you another out, <clears throat> a cheap. Uh, colorless mana sink for when you go infinite. Lord knows I have gone infinite and then done nothing with yep. it. Feels bad. Nothing. This also seems like a pretty sweet top deck. Like when you just flood out and you're like I need to draw. Oh this'll do. It's a great thing this to play. Yeah it's a great thing to play early. It's a nice thing to play off of a talisman as well which academy decks have access to more talismans than signets now. Sure. So you get that un- <clears throat> the, that free colorless man of the turn that you play it. Um, and then sometimes in a in a, like a, against a blue match, if you're worried about getting your big boom booms countered, you just get this before they can counter it or deal with it, and you just start pooping out dudes, and that's all you really need. Or as a defensive tool as well, this can cause a lot of problems for aggro decks. So interesting. So outside of academy, is this good enough as a, in like a ramp deck, something that just cares about generating mana, or specifically the artifact synergy and the oops and infinite mana is what uh, you want? Specifically because this is an artifact that makes artifacts that also turns your artifacts into bigger artifacts. Hmm. I don't want this in any deck that isn't running Tolarian Academy, or if you're on some weird artifact-based ramp <clears> deck that doesn't have an academy, and then you should probably put an academy in it. Hmm. But yeah, this this card is, in my mind, just strictly for the academy decks. Cool, very cool. Well, all right, friends, let me introduce you today uh, to our topic. Welcome to the hot seat. Uh, now, typically, we we play around a little bit, we goof, we ask each other questions, but we've never really grilled one another before. We've never really asked the tough questions that you at home have wanted to hear. Uh, so today we're going to spend a little bit of time and we're going to roast each other for your benefit. We're we're going to try and pick at the things that we've had problems with with each other for a bit and, and really let them have it. Uh, and, and I so figure... Welcome to the last episode of North Korea. <laughs> I'm uh, just going to say the most hurtful things that come to mind Yeah. Um, and try to not tilt. Cathartic and borderline destructive. Uh, so I figured we would start today with our good friend, Alex. Soon to be extra. <laughs> uh, and, and, and Jerry, you're, you're quiet. You're fairly polite. Let's maybe start things off nicely with you. You got a question for yes, Alex? nicely. What you got? Yo, Alex. Hi. Why do you love the graveyard so much, man? It's where things go to die. Just let them die. Leave them Leave them where they're meant to be. In the trash. Those of us who are unaware of our history are doomed to uh, repeat it again. <laughs> um, the graveyard is uh, a really interesting resource. Um, like, I don't know where it started, but ordinarily you're absolutely correct that you just like throw things in there and they're gone don't even think about them but then it's like oh wait this thing cares about stuff that's in there or it being in there itself and it's like having a second hand or a third hand or a fourth hand that's a lot of hands a lot of hands it's uh it's it's more options at the uh at the fairly minor cost of being soft to uh, graveyard hate which is not like, not unknown in Highlander, but 
it's not as like it's not as much of an occupational hazard as it is in like modern or legacy where like two thirds of every sideboard is just like kill their graveyard. Main board. Yeah, yeah they moved the ley yeah. lines to the main. Well, there you go. <laughs> so Gold it's Hogak. just like yeah. it's it's an eternal format where you can get away with abusing your graveyard. <laughs> Do you feel good when your opponent plays a scavenging use though? No, <laughs> but I don't feel unfairly bullied, brother. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> All right. Come sup at my table. I got a, I got a question for you, Alex. You Probably it. one of your absolute favorites. Uh, is this good at aristocrats? I'll kill you. I think most of us embrace that question it's, as like a <laughs> lol, but to you, <laughs> it def I can see it every time. You're just it's like like the eye twitches. You're just like just like there's another year off Alex's life, <laughs> yeah. but it only costs three, and you get to sacrifice a creature. Come on down to Judith's casting couch. We've got a heck oh, of a thing for you, my queen. <laughs> I mean, at least she gets in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, is this? A, I, I don't even know if I want to like it. Okay, so on a high level, this is actually like a great sort of example of. Uh, it's not just aristocrats, but like any. Maybe I get this the most out of anybody on this podcast, but any deck or or like play style or synergy or whatever you are known for, people will be in your mentions at any opportunity to tell you anything about it that they might get a response for. I don't know, dude. Any card that's like vaguely oval shaped. <laughs> it's, it's just like... Is this an egg? It's like, that's a cinder block. If, if a card has the word land, land. printed oh, on yeah. it, my, my mentions are just... Serge, have you seen this card? Basic force. <laughs> yeah. But do you think that... Um, I think it's very, it's actually pretty interesting about like a, an interesting like touch on card evaluation though, mm -hmm. where the, the, what people have in mind when they think of aristocrats mm. is so varied because it's such a, it's a quick, easy name, but then you have like minimum five different ways to build this deck and have it be totally reasonable, like tournament, yeah. able to take down an event. Well, that's one of the things that always strikes me when people ask these questions is they ne they never post context with it. They're just like, does it go into aristocrats? And Which there's one? like, yeah, there's like legitimately five different tournamently vi tournament viable builds. Yeah, you can have if and they were like, does this go into this specific build? And then you then you they get the responses. I think there's a couple but. of different reasons. Like this is maybe getting into analysis of like social media interactions i think some of them have an earnest curiosity about like whether this card works <clears throat> excuse me some of them are just like trying to show you a cool thing and just have you be like yeah that's cool they're like oh they noticed me yeah. um which is like fine um stop helping alex we're roasting him no well that's <laughs> that's what i'm saying is I'm, i i wanted to clarify that we're roasting each other and this isn't intended to roast the audience yeah. or people that come to us yeah. with these cards because it's genuinely like this cascading this cascading web of like the different types of aristocrats the different subtypes and ways to build all these aristocrats decks and then like card evaluation in general for like once you mm -hmm. narrow it down to what exactly you want you know 
Is it is it good? Does it go in aristocrats? <sighs> All right, Wheeler. What do you got for what do you got for Alex? All right. What you got against blue? Like, have you not heard the the beautiful uh, word of our Lord and Savior, Basic Island? Do you hate winning? <laughs> oh, <geez>. Okay. <laughs> I was just going to be like, oh, because you play it. But it's like, okay. Um, I play the most basic islands. I went through um, quite a a curve uh, on blue. Because I think early on in my magic career, like everybody, I was just like, oh, blue's stupid and busted. They counter everything. And it's dumb and awful and shit. And I hate it. Um Yes, and everyone. I, everyone I, did that. Okay, not yep. everyone. I have but. vivid memories of <laughs> discarding a deep analysis and going, oh, this is just dreadful. <laughs> Circular logic? What an awful card. But you've encountered people that, that like, it's a common attitude. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, Pe- yeah. People hate, hate having their stuff countered worse than having it destroyed. Do you hate having worse your stuff having countered? It, it doesn't feel good, but that brings me to the next part of my... Um, my Tentum. journey where it's just like I I tried playing some of these decks you know you get a little bit more of a sensation of how they work how they don't work how they're not invincible um, how they don't always have it and I think I gained an appreciation um, for blue and how it functions and how it's like kind of it's blue's a really weird color because like Correct me if I'm wrong, and you probably will. Blue, on its own, with nothing else, is not very good. But it's the best enhancing color in the game. You I, know what I mean? I almost think black is. I but oh. but you like you know what I'm getting at, right? Where it's just like well in you, Highlander, yeah. You, you combine blue with any other color, or like even just like artifacts, and it suddenly becomes like the winningest. You know, color. I, I get what you're saying, but I think not to not to blue spleen for you, but <laughs> please, I, Daddy. It's the blue cards aren't winning the game. So, like, I think that's. I mean, if you're killing them with a snapcaster or a V click, sure. But like, if you think about, but like, I think that's exactly what I'm getting. Yeah, at. they're not winning the game, but they're wi- you're winning the game. Like, they're... if you play Blue Moon, you're very rarely you talk to someone. You're like, so how'd that match against Blue Moon go? And they go, oh, you know, they scredded my first creature, and then they played a Magus of the Moon into a Glory Bringer, uh, and then I dealt with it, but they had a Flame Tongue Kavu. Red, 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 red. No, yeah. it's, you know, oh, recall twice, counterspell, <laughs> Dillian Cleek. Didn't matter. <laughs> um, maybe it's just that it, it facilitates um, all the other strategies so much better. And that's like, why you hate it? I, I never said I did. Um, <laughs> I'm getting to that. Uh, I, I don't actually hate blue. I just don't play it very much. I think that the way I'm wired as far as, like, games that I play and games that I enjoy, um, it's just, like, I never really took to it. Mm. I think I just, like, slamming a bunch of creatures, turning them sideways, or, like, having weird little synergies and interactions but like i never i never grokked completely um like (laughs) i'm really bad at bluffing like just atrocious so 
you know, <laughs> pretending that you have it just never was a strategy. Well, you that keep whenever we play and you're on blue, you keep going into a soliloquy, and I can hear you. Like, if you're just like, mm, and I pass with mana drain up, then none the wiser. For when he casts his four drop, I will be the true miser. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like, can't uh, can't keep a poker face. Um, ah. I think I think it's a perfectly sensible color um, and a very essential and important part of the game. So I've, I, I went from, like, disrespect to respect. So I don't, I don't actually hate blue. Well, uh, then let's let's turn our blue hate over to the next person in the hot seat, uh, our boy Jer over here. Uh, and and I'll, I'll, ask, I'll ask the question uh, that most people want to ask the blue player. How boring is it to just sit there and do nothing as the control deck? <laughs> like, like playing Drago yeah. or just playing control in general? Yes. <laughs> well... <laughs> Playing Drago is fantastic because it means your opponent's doing nothing and their deck is like certainly not set up as well to do nothing as your deck is. So you're you're just winning at that point. It it feels fantastic. But you're doing nothing. But no, you're winning. <laughs> <laughs> I just said that. Um Is is stymieing nothing? Exactly. Yeah. Um It's like Nullrod. Yeah. Please don't mention um, that card. I I really enjoy those types of games where like either it's blue versus blue and both blue decks are doing nothing and it's just whoever draws the most blue cards probably wins. Mm. Uh, but some of them get re- get really intricate as to like who makes the first move and and it's really difficult to make the first move and win. And those games often get get really interesting. Um, playing control in general, I really enjoy. Uh, it was the first deck I built in in Highlander was Blue White Control. Uh, the first deck I built when I like first casually, well, not casually started playing, but the first deck I took to like standard F and M at YJ was like Sun Titan Blue White Control. Nice. And I was, I kept dying to aggro my friend's aggro deck, so I had like <laughs> elite vanguards in my control deck. I'm like, it's a two one for one. It blocks. Like <laughs> I wasn't attacking ever. I just wanted it to block. Oh, good heavens. That's. Um, Condemn, oh, condemn, and rotated. I needed to condemn, and Elite Vanguard was this the best we had. This is completely unrelated, but I think I have an idea for a new episode where we talk about like our earliest includes and in plays. Ah. <laughs> um, oh god. <laughs> yeah, but that that style of play in general just really suited me. I came from a a chess poker like very strategically oriented background, and that was the closest to to that hmm. that I could find in Magic. The real battlefield is in the mind but now now i play everything like control is still except big still white great yeah well sadly i have played big white oh just, just never well like that's and the now people are gonna i like, nearly quit magic torment you I, about I, it relentlessly well I mean, that's where the story straight. comes from like yeah. i i wouldn't have the hatred mm. i have for it if you hadn't tried if i hadn't played it all right alex you got a question for jer i do uh, I've you have a sizable collection, a lot of cards. Several. I have seen several thousand. In what manner you maintain those cards, and what the hell, man? <laughs> the last time I saw your collection, there was a dining table that had like which which dining table was this? <laughs> Magic Mansion or the Stroop? 
I think it was Magic Mansion. All right. Yeah, but it was, was you had like Scrooge McDuck <laughs> coin card towers, like a city. It was a table like haphazardly like just yeah. everywhere and I was just you could like, mostly see the size of this table it was twice the size of this table yeah <laughs> it was and you'd build literally a, you'd, covered you'd built a civilization out of sleeve magic cards yeah. and a bunch of them were just sort of like strewn everywhere and I was like okay yeah you know that's 800 bucks there and oh that's uh that that's an an alpha <laughs> power. whatever it's like there's some power okay <laughs> I'm gonna lie down yeah, and it was great because I knew where every card was in every, in all the piles. <laughs> so Although mad. Liam no Liam knew the piles better than I did. That's how often we we hung out. And you know what the irony of this is? I'm a really messy, disorganized person, except with my magic collection, which is paradoxically like all in one <clears throat> box, Mood. sorted like by color. There's a few like stray boxes, but it's it's mainly all in one place. All right. So so from this that point you saw it, I went to a slightly smaller table plus some boxes, <laughs> and now I have all color sorted boxes in a cabinet. Oh, and I, okay. I, they're like colored boxes. So like mm. I grabbed the blue box that has all the blue cards, except there's three blue boxes. Downsizing and one of each your other collection color. feels really good. Sometimes. But then you what if you need it? What what if you need the thing you True. got right? Okay, of? but the the thing that I did with my collection that felt the best was printing off like guild dividers oh. to sort my multicolored. Yeah, I do that. Oh, it was really useful because I used to have like multi as one column and I could never find anything. Yeah, I've got it by I've got it by guild and then I've got three plus colors in just another area. This is all so I'm I've been very calm over this, <laughs> but I am erupting inside. What's up? Uh, so I my collection yeah. is segmented into three different boxes, each with their own label of staple, playable, other. <laughs> and then organized in card types. Uh, mana cost, alphabetical, with old border first, then new border. So, for instance... Every colors together? The Well, yeah. So, like, if you look at my sorcery so section... So, you need to know which printing of each card you have. Oh, well, always the original uh, print. But always? Always. Come on. Come on. The, always. I, I do have... Well, but I will have multiples. So like so I will pair them together. Which brainstorms do you use, Ben? Uh, I use German. Well, okay. There's there's I do have I do have an Ice Age. Lawyer. I do have a, a, a German <laughs> Ice Age brainstorm in there, but I just never use it. I have like five Wood Elves. I only ever Which play with one. Original print do you use? Uh, so Portal came out right before uh, the Exodus printing. So there's oh, the right. portal but one. There's two Exodus printings, isn't there? No, there's only one Exodus <laughs> printing. There's Portal Starter ninety nine they, Exodus. Both, they're both Rebecca though, right? Uh, I don't believe the Exodus one is. Huh. I, I think I think it is. could be. I also have uh, eighth. Get, I have eighth edition. <laughs> oh, it is. Damn. Okay. Whoa. I have. I have eight. Well, this isn't the one that I use. <laughs> the one that I use is the uh, when I played Type Two in the day in Tooth and Nail. Um, I had foil wood elves. Can we pull up uh, eighth edition wood elves, please? <laughs> oh no! This is oh that art is just so good. It is. Okay, I, I yeah, love that's, that's pretty cool. I yeah. Um, I, I'm disappointed in you, Wheeler, because I've adopted a philosophy that you taught me, which was if you're not playing it, why why do you own it? 
So And I've purged so many cards that you're like you have an entire box of unplayables. No, no, no. They're they're unplay they're not unplayable, they're other. They're uh, commander players. They're, command they're right. for commander, basically. <laughs> without oh. oh without I don't want it to look, I tried to avoid calling it that, but you know, you hold my feet to the fire and here we go. It's the commander section. You happy? It's filled with eight drops and big stupid sorceries that make everybody else draw cards. All right, roast roast Jer, what's your question? Speaking of big dumb eight drops, uh We've we've known each other for a long time, uh, about about a decade now, and um, yep. there's a recurring trend that, at least in my mind, is that you include a lot of big stupid five drops in certain mid range decks. Uh, what do you say to this? Well, by a lot, he means like five when he would play one. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, keeping in mind, I also on average play like, you know, two times as many lands in my decks as, well, we'll as Ben does, but. Um, yeah, I, I tend to play more five drops, uh, just because I think Ben and I play differently. Uh, Ben is better at playing on, f like, low, low resource games than me. Like, when we, we played a lot of Delver Mirrors, and Ben usually beat me in Delver Mirrors, because he was better at playing low resource games. We, we, we had a really <laughs> classic. One of my favorite matches of Magic of all time. Ben and I have had some all time <laughs> great <laughs> matches. And this, all right, aside, we're, we're tangenting. Uh, ben and I were playing a Delver Mirror. Was it for fun or was it in a tournament? I, I think, think it was at a weekly. I think, I'm pretty yeah. sure it was at a weekly. All right, so we're playing a Delver Mirror. Uh, it's game one, it's going super, super long. And then eventually we get to the point where both of us have graveyards like a mile high. We both have like 20 cards left in our deck. Maybe one actual land left in our deck. Yeah, We both was... have seven cards in hand and literal zero permanence. <laughs> it, was, it was great. <laughs> Powerful magic. Yeah, it was just like, all right, uh, I'm on the play. Um, I forgot the right five drops. Um, yeah, so Ben's better at playing lower resource games. So I think he's he builds his decks like fewer lands general lower curve mm. to suit his play style of playing lower resource games and i like to play longer like i plan super far ahead i like want to have the haymaker to finish the game i like i really like like letting my opponent get ahead then making like a counter play to like counter their strategy and I build my decks to suit my playstyle in general. You have a narrative to your games? You, That's yeah. cool. Yeah, <laughs> well like it's it's from my like chess chess background too. You just like, let them overextend because it's like punished. Like I never I never play aggressive strategies in chess. I always play You hmm. don't just sit down to a match and have like a little voice in your head talk about it? Like storm, 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 <laughs> storm, storm, storm. <laughs> I, da, sit, da, da, da. I sit down, I'm, I'm like, ha ha, I just have to draw a fast pose. We'll just get a close-up on each person. It's just like, ooga chug, ooga, ooga, <laughs> dancing like <laughs> zombie or something. <laughs> it's the tendrils guy just dancing around <laughs> like this. It's just like, oh. I'm gonna dome you. All right. Now I can't. I can't create a situation where everybody roasts each other and I am 
somehow I somehow escape unscathed. <laughs> Oops. So, so come on. The comments are going to be all stop picking on Surge. <laughs> Don't bully Surge, and I'll just be like, kill more villagers. <laughs> All right. I don't understand I, the I'm, I'm taking over the order because Serge can't choose his own order. Um, <laughs> it's it's conveniently the order we're sitting. I'm we got to save Ben for last. Yeah, all right. Uh, I'll go first. Alex, you're up second. Um, so Serge is known to play a bunch of different archetypes. He plays battle bots, uh, enchantress, lands, uh, various stacks type prison things. <clears throat> And across a few of those archetypes, Surge tends to play some non-bows in his deck. <laughs> One of the classics is Rest in Peace with Replenish. I've certainly seen him draw Replenish. Sure. Like, the turn after casting Rest in Peace, then looking at his exi now-exiled pile and, like, counting, like, seven enchantments that he could have brought back, and now his four-drop, that does nothing. Just for the benefit of anybody who's never heard the term, what's a non-bow? Uh, so a non-bow is two cards that, like, aren't not synergistic they they actively just like hose each other and you put those two cards in your so the opposite of deck. a combo yeah it's like instead of winning the game you now just have two blank pieces of cardboard now i'll let or, you know though <laughs> or maybe one blank piece of cardboard. that that oh. rest in peace is a very good card so rest in peace is a two-man enchantment uh, it's an, an it, and it just says uh, when it comes into play, exile all cards from all graveyards. If a card would put there anyways, exile it instead. This is a good card. This is an important card to have an enchantress shell. Yep. It works as a protection thing with um, uh, what's that blue energy one? field with energy field. Energy field is a is a uh, two mana enchantment. Notice the enchantment theme here. I'm not saying you're not playing enchantment. That says prevent saying. all damage that will be dealt to you. But if a card is put into your graveyard, sacrifice energy field. I can't put it into my graveyard. If there's no graveyard, I'm not saying you shouldn't have rest in peace in your deck. I'm just saying, yeah, rest and, in peace and, plus replenish is not powerful magic. Pick a lane and replenish. Uh, four mana sorcery says return all enchantment cards from your graveyard to play. I don't see what the problem here is. All they right, all right. say that's, <laughs> it, that's enough defending yourself. We're here to roast you. Yeah, but no, but, but the, seriously <laughs> though, when you talk about this though, sometimes if cards are powerful enough in your deck, it is okay to run them. Um, and in the very narrow window where your pieces don't line up perfectly, and you can't, nobody at this table can say they've never played cards that don't hose each other. You just live with the bad beats to, to, to live, to really sure. celebrate the glory hard, of what it comes hard together. Hard agree, but I mean, there's a difference between ensnaring bridge plus time spiral, <laughs> kind of an oopsie doopsie, and like rest in peace. <laughs> Energy field. Yeah. Okay. You so, see where we're going? I do you not run into issues because of the like there are some card some decks that can ignore both side both of these cards. Do you not run into? I guess like you can turn them into cantrips, but aside from that, like I got, I got one. Tarmogoyf, scavenging ooze. You play those together. Not buying it. Boom, got them. Great. They hate each other. I but mean, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm with you guys. Oh, like it's not the same thing. They yeah. still do stuff, even if you have both of them on the table. Yeah. It's not like they both turn into zero zeros. You're gonna probably play Death Rite in your like Abzan Life from the Loam deck, yep. even though you might have to eat your own lands. Well, here's a, I mean, you have two graveyards to eat from. 
Yeah. yeah. Just put just All putting right. that in there. An- another classic surge non-bow is Surge as as much as Surge complains about Blood Moon, Surge is a known Blood Mooner himself. Mm-hmm. And although Surge also likes powerful lands. So in a lot of Surge's prison decks that include red, which will almost always include Blood Moon, regardless of how many colors. Um and there's a famous story from previous episodes <laughs> that uh, you may or may not be aware of, but Surge often shuts off his own powerful lands, such as Tabernacle, uh, Bazaar of Baghdad, Maze of Ith. Well, finally, they can add mana. Yeah. Uh, Wasteland, Strip Mine, etc. So, no. 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 no, no, no. <laughs> you are lying. You are lying. So, the, the nice thing is... Both cards have their own place, and sometimes you have to evaluate which card is giving you more value. You know, if, yeah. if you're against a multicolored deck, you're like, Maze of Ith may take out one of their creatures, but Blood Moon <clears throat> will hose Surge. all of their lands and ramp you. Okay. Have you ever used Blood Moon to fix your own mana? I'm, just it doesn't. Mm, just chef kiss. Surge. Yes. You're correct in that you need to assess the value of these cards, but do you know when you do that? During deck building. <laughs> Alright, well, I'm feeling pretty roasted here. Next, next <laughs> question. Boom, roasted. Well, I mean, <laughs> this, talking <laughs> of prison decks leads me into mine. You're such a nice, you are a very pleasant human. No, I thank you. Yes, you, we, you're very nice and you get along. So, what's a guy like you doing playing stacks? <laughs> I have been told I'm the nicest person who'll ever strip mine lock you. Yeah. So uh, uh, I think this comes down to the way I play magic. Uh, Cruelty. No, I, I I think it's the opposite of that. I <laughs> no 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 no. I like, stacks like, you because I love you. <laughs> oh. I it it it's a game. And and despite and both what, people let me let me finish. Right, let me finish. Right, 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 I, I have and, to hear this. And what happens when you're playing a game with somebody? You're not inflicting harm on them. It's not personal. Yeah. I'm not looking at Wheeler when I strip mine all of his lands and say, take that, you bag of I mean, dung. I'm not like, a good I, example because you do do that to me you, every you, single ben, time. You, you've literally said on the podcast like at least 10 times, like, I built this deck just to beat Wheeler. You've, we've <laughs> had matches where you're like, this is where you die, Wheeler. <laughs> Finally, I'll get you. And you just like m- strip walk like, me out I'm and like, you and finish it Gavin. post-match. And I'll be like, oh man, that was pretty good. Maybe I should have, like, and I'll just be like, maybe I should have fetched differently or something. And you'll be like, you had it coming. <laughs> it's just I like- also enjoy that in his own defense, Serge has posited that he doesn't consider you a human being when he's playing you. <laughs> All right, accurate, well, Wheeler's, accurate. Wheeler and his infinite army of clones aside. Demon clones. Demon let's, clones let's be aside. Particular here. But, but that's that's <clears throat> the thing. I, I, I'm not... I don't think of this as hurting somebody. I don't think of this as, as it's a game. We're sitting down oh, to have that's fun. That's how you can massacre those villagers. Yeah, but <laughs> but I, I I honestly I'm not even kidding. That's the exact same thing. You you have sufficient disassociation from the game that you can do things that someone with um, more of a uh, like people who anthropomorphize like, things. I don't know. I yeah. almost want to say yeah. like metatextual connection would find abhorrent. It's it's actually a pretty admirable way to look at it, and I think it's it's something that I there's no way that I can match your level level of in-game cruelty <laughs> with with, the, with like the stacks decks or prison decks or whatever that I enjoy playing 
or the combo misery that I throw onto other people. But I do think that you have to create that separation. And it also just helps that I don't think you can be an asshole and play stacks, you know? Because some people, while you can create that separation, mm. not in, everybody in, in can. In Highlander. In Highlander. Mm. Not everybody can. And, like, it's not necessarily your responsibility to make sure that they get a grasp on that it's just a game. That yeah, should be representative from the beginning. But, like, making it... I mean, having as much fun as you can in a match where, like, if you're getting strip-locked and you're like, oh! Like, yeah. it's it does make it a bit more... I don't know, for me, it makes it a bit more enjoyable. Yeah, no, I Definitely. think it, you might be onto something because, like, I really don't like games where <clears throat> I'm just doing a baseline play that is winning the game and my opponent is tilting at it. You know, Sportsman like is so of, important. Oh, I can't handle that. And I was like, please. please. I, and that's the thing. When you attack somebody with a creature, you're not trying to hurt your opponent. When you bolt to the dome, you're not trying to hurt your opponent. Again, right? you've attacked me with Ramanak. Ramanak. It's Excavator personal between the two. Only slap me. Afterwards. We have beef. We Take have beef. Two. When I reach across the table and I hit you in the face, you know, you know, it comes from a place of of deep hate. Mm -hmm. That's but, why you're laughing after. Yeah. But no. Spit on your grave. I'm going to the earth. All right, and now we've come down to it, Ben. <clears throat> I believe you have something to ask, Serge. Mishra's Workshop is mm -hmm. a very powerful card. Um, we both have years of experience with this card, playing out incredibly powerful threats, uh, be them Staxi cards like a turn one Trinisphere, mm, or something more aggressive, where in my case, that could be something like a Foundry Inspector, or Ram Roller. Uh, Ram Roller. Uh, but, I tend to stick to those cards. Aggressive, powerful threats. You have Hover Me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to settle this right here, right now. Oh, man. Why? why give me... I, why Hover Me? Why everyone got to hate on my Hover Mirror? All right, let's. For those Can I of tell you, you why? I for, those of you, for those of you who don't know the glory that is the Hover Mirror, <laughs> two mana artifact creature, creature type, Mirror, one, two, flying and vigilance. <laughs> <laughs> Look at what a text there is on that card. That's two keywords. That's flavor text afterwards, by the way. You can't <laughs> count that. <laughs> I honestly believe this card is a great role player. In a deck that is lacking two drops, in a deck that wants to be aggressive and dump its hand as quickly as possible, the number of cards that you can actually cast off of Workshop at two is really limited. But isn't that fine when your Workshop adds three or say like the impact of playing a relevant three on turn two by like Soul Land plus generic mana source or land like, plus mox. Land plus mox. Like, my my thought is that yes, I agree. The twos we have, <coughs> garbage. Mm -hmm. I hate it. That's why Except I was so for steel overseer and Arcband ravager. But, yeah, there but, are some like dynamite twos. But like that's why when stuff when let like lesser Masticore came out. Oh yeah. I was like, oh, right? oh a, a relevant two. Yeah. But like, isn't it just better to go to three? You don't you don't see like the benefit of just going up just a bit. The issue with that is oftentimes 
it, it's it's a hundred card singleton. You're not always going to get those explosive starts, and there are some disciplined role players you have to put in your deck. There, ben, ben doesn't understand. Not, sometimes you do not have workshops. Sometimes Hovermere is just cast on turn two with two lands. And if your hand is all three drops, and sometimes it is, when you play Workshop, you can fall in a trap of trying to put nothing. You just imagine a world in which every game you start with seven cards, all three drops, and Workshop in hand, and you're just laughing. You're just like, I get to play a three drop I, every turn. Oh, I don't have what? to imagine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but surely something better, though. No. I don't believe the issue is <laughs> The issue is there's a lot of really good two drops but they don't cast for too generic. And even if they do, you get you play your Arcban Ravager, you play your Steel Overseer, and then there's nothing. What? Surge. What? what What about equipment? So equipment is great too, and there's a lot of good equipment at two, but equipment only works if you have a creature no, to I mean, carry it. I mean, I'm trying to help you. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> so the other thing that's great <laughs> is, is how well it carries equipment is what we're talking about there. And you know, you know a great three drop you can cast off workshop? Any of the swords. Serge, you've activated my uh, trap card because I knew you would bring this up. Here's I, the thing. I, actually, I, br I brought it up. All right, well, Jer helped tag team <laughs> throw you into the ring here. Um, the thing about equipment is that, yeah, it makes your creatures good because it's equipment. That's the whole point of the cards. Mm -hmm. I don't think that, like you, so, you hear these pieces about all these token generators uh, carrying equipment in our format. Like, like things that make tokens are great because they're small disposable things that you can later then make better with equipment or other cards. And so I think the same thing can just be said about any generic uh, workshop threat. Like that's the strength of the deck is that all of your cards don't really care about mana that much which means that you can play a bunch of equipment and not have to feel like you're going to get your hand clunked up with all these equipment. And all your equipment is going to make any creature you play relevant. And I don't think giving, <laughs> having a hover mirror, making a hover mirror more relevant with a sword is that different from making literally anything more relevant with a sword. I see the tricky thing on that is what what are you putting on a sword then? Because if you go in the direction where all of your creatures are better, it devalues equipment. Because <clears throat> then your creatures are just good enough that they don't need a sword. Are you playing even dumber, smaller creatures? Wait, but isn't that fine? Isn't that a, a good? Th that's a good problem to have. Yes, there aren't enough good creatures that cost off workshop though. I'm I'm playing Juggernaut. I'm playing yeah, the Juggernaut. Playing, yeah, a great creature. Go on. Hey, Serge. Hi, Alex. I. <laughs> Do you play Scrap Heap Scrounger? Yes. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> and you, uh, I, I'm gonna find something here. Spellskite. Oh, yeah, I've, I've seen oh, I play Spellskite's great. You attack with Spellskite, yep. and they try and maze it. You're oh, like, yeah. ah, mm -hmm. idiot. Phyrexian Revoker. Yep. Beautiful. Uh, Mirror Retriever? That's maybe not the best. Okay, I do want to ask one thing. I'm going to find so something. So we're not hard roasting on Hovermere uh, <laughs> for an eternity. Ah, yes, Mirror Retriever. The two mana one one. Hey. With no abilities. With no abilities. What? How? Uh, yeah. That reads Com combat, go infinite. Combat ability. Like, we're talking about... In, in yeah, like you just turn it sideways, they decks. block, you just get back what other thing. So Hovermere and Equipment, it has evasion. What? It carries the sword but so swords well. give it evasion. Eh. Not always. Watchers of the Dead. No, okay, well that's just a 
I guess it's a cap. What is what is Watchers of the Dead? It's a two-two. It mines out their graveyard a little bit. What? What would it take for you to stop playing Hovermere? I. What printings? What? How many more two drops? A two-two flyer for two. Okay, well that's just busted. I. Like, how many more twos do we need? Or Are good, you or playing good one? Spined Thopter. Yes. I also play Spined Thopter, mm -hmm. which is a three mana two it's one with two flying. Mana surge. Let's but you, it has <laughs> Frexy Man on it. So that's the difference. It's a two one. I already played this one too. It's a two one that taps when it attacks and and doesn't and trades unfavorably. I like that you say taps when it attacks as it's I, like this Vigilance, honestly, no, honestly, Vigilance in an aggressive deck is very relevant. What about this surge? Okay. Instead of playing Hovermere, you play literally any two-drop spell. I actually don't... All right. Spell. I don't think Hovermere is a good card. I'm going to start there. <laughs> but I don't think it's the literal worst in that exact deck where you're going ham on equipment. You have Bone Splitter and Grafted War Gear and Skull Clamp and a bunch of swords. Yeah. The, there's no such thing as a bad threat. Mm-hmm. But... It doesn't mean you have to put yourself through this. And you can instead <laughs> go right. The other tricky thing is spells don't cast off workshop. So yep. there's there's a certain there's a certain 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 there's a certain density of things you need to put into a deck to get maximum advantage out of it. When you're playing something like workshop, if you're <clears> not all in, you you dilute the possibility of a god hand, and that is where you're like, I can if I rip six artifacts and a <clears> workshop, that's a keep. If I rip Four artifact, a workshop, and two colored spells. You're like, well, now, now I basically have a five card hand. I have to hope to draw into something, and it doesn't work for anything else. It's basically a, like there's no land that casts that. Alex, Shrine of Loyal Legions. That's not a creature. Yeah, it is. It's also I mean, not good. Takes take, <laughs> takes a hot minute. All right, so you've helped prove my point. Well, I've been sufficiently roasted. Oh, you know what's actually a great card in this? What is the two mana artifact that turns into a bird? And activates for white. Glintock Idol? Glintock Hell Idol. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We can agree on that. Yeah. yeah all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that card's rad. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so good against control as well. All right, Wheeler, it's your turn. My Let's heart hurts. Let's, Let's kill him. Yeah. Jer, Jer, give, give <clears throat> Wheeler some of his own medicine. All right, Ben. So you're famous for playing medium decks. My question is why don't you just play good decks instead? <laughs> <laughs> So, the reason the medium decks are so appealing is for a couple of reasons. One, they are blisteringly fast, and I like that in my magic. I like to finish my match within... I mean, I also like the grindy 10-minute past time games. That's I love those, too, but that's more for 60-card formats. But for this... Um, they are just so fast that you can often just overwhelm people. I really enjoy that. I, I like capitalizing on people not being properly prepared. And how do you prepare? Uh, and it offers creatures that can punish people not being prepared even when you play them on curve. But then it also has these scenarios where no amount of preparation is really going to help you versus like a turn two Thundermaw Hellkite mm. or like a turn two Reality <clears throat> Smasher or a, a Goblin Rabble Master on one or two or whatever it may be. Um, and I also just think fast mana is kind of busted. Um, 
spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> Mana Crypt and Soul Ring. Pretty good. Oh, weird. Um, huh. And I'm actually less on medium red now and more on medium green, which I'm convinced is maybe... It's pretty close to the best medium deck, I think. Huh. But it's just... It also allows for a bunch... Uh, for a further exploration into cards that don't get a lot of exposure and thus people aren't, again, prepared for them. Like, I've talked about how I've died to Colonian Hydra before. Because <laughs> you don't expect it. Because you're just like, oh, look at this donkey of a card. Oh, and then all of a sudden, huge. it's massive and it's just killing people dead. Or new cards that pop out, like uh, Voracious Hydra from Core 2020. That card <clears throat> has blown me away for how good it is. Which one is right. that? Uh, so good. it's X green green Hydra with Trample. It enters the battlefield with X counters, and it's a 0-1 base. So it enters with X counters, and when it ETBs, you choose one of these effects. You either double the amount of counters that you put it on, put on it, or it fights a creature you don't control. Huh. So again, with fast <clears throat> mana, you can either poop out a 8-9 Trample, which is pretty scary. Or you can have it fight pesky flying threats or utility creatures that green can struggle with. Hmm. So hmm. I enjoy the medium decks because they just, it, it's just this like burst of speed and power that people aren't prepared for at the cost of some consistency. Hmm. All right, let's talk about consistency. Uh, there's a very... <laughs> <laughs> And we all know where this is going. Yeah, so there's there's common wisdom in Magic as to how many lands a certain deck should play. Uh, but yeah, our, 24. Our boy Wheeler here yeah, uh, seems lands. to think uh, he's smarter uh, than every other deck builder out there and will consistently try and cut as many lands as possible. Oh, he's smarter than the average player. Um, so, boo -boo. are are you greedy, or what's going on, uh, No Land Wheeler? So, I do have greedy tendencies. I'd be <laughs> lying if I didn't say that. But I do genuinely, I stand by this for a lot of them. There are decks where I will play an appropriate amount of lands. Uh, like Jeskai, like control decks, the this um, the Jacuzzi on Commission Yogmoths deck that I've been playing. It's a fast bond, Gravestorm, Tendrils, Get Rog Monster combo deck. You'd okay. like it. Um, but like that, I play, I've play. i been playing that deck and people are like, so what are you on, like 30 lands? I'm like, no, I'm on 38. And they're all just, huh? Um, so I, I do stand by my selection for these decks, uh, be it the Mono Red deck with 23 lands, Flying Men with 24 lands, uh, I played a mono white blitz list recently. Uh huh. Uh, I think I talked about it last episode with 24 land plus lotus plus pearl. Um, and like, you just don't need them. Like, how bad is drawing a land? If you're an aggro deck, like, so many matches as an aggro deck are lost by drawing a land beyond what you need. And like any subsequent land beyond that, like once you hit your cap, your mana cap of like three sources, two sources even depending on the deck, every land you draw is going to decrease your chance of winning this game by quite a lot. And any land beyond that too, it keeps going and going, just makes it worse. And like if, you, if you're if you on a red deck and you get up to like five lands, you're probably losing that game or 
like a white deck. You or know what else loses the game? Not having lands? Yeah, like one land, never draw one ever again. So, you cast or, or how about this one? <clears throat> Mulliganing. So, mm. admittedly, one when we got rid of the Sorensen Mulligan, RIP, um, I started adding more lands to some of these decks, but that isn't the case for every single one. So something like Flying Men, which is one of the more notorious 24 land decks, I also play about 19 one-mana cantrips, which is kind of like old Xerox-style replace your cards with lands, and you will get two lands. Like, watch any gameplay of me playing Flying Men. You're more likely to see me flood than get choked on lands because you're playing so many cantrips. Games go longer because your clock isn't exactly lightning speed. Um... So and you're saying I, play even less land. So well, I, what I'm saying 20? is that I'm saying it's all contextual, and that it's something that people don't explore because they are too focused on like traditional wisdom of this is how many decks you should have because like Lands. it's as much as <laughs> as much as a yeah, as much as like a, a, a numbers game it is like it's you can't always calculate like what your cantrips are going to add you or just like how many lands you actually need to get there or taking just taking a risk right so it's like not also, greed it's courage <laughs> no it's a little bit of both but well, okay okay <laughs> but yeah i i think i i'm doing it genuinely it's not a meme i think it's for certain decks it's the correct decision all right alex what you got from how does a guy who plays garbage plate hate time vault so much <laughs> Is okay. that combo not good enough for you? You play all the other ones. I'm going to try and explain this without coming off like an asshole. And I apologize if I do, because my explan I, I don't want my explanation to be hypocritical with my generalized statement of never make someone feel bad for their deck decision or what they're playing. Like, don't don't poo-poo someone because they want to play combo or some hateful prison deck, unless it's Surge. <laughs> um, and I hate Time Vault, mostly because to me, it's there's not a lot going on. It, uh, the, the ease of a deck should not actually be an issue. If anything, a deck being easier to pilot is a beneficial thing. It's good. You want your busted combo deck to be easy to pilot. That way you can rely very much on the strength of the deck and the cards that you have instead of the micro decisions that you have that you need for stuff like eggs or garbage platter. Garbage platter is definitely a lot more, you know, e uh, easier to pilot than something like eggs. But like you, to me, Time Vault is soulless, which doesn't have any impact on your competitive decision, and I recognize that as somebody that has played uh, Magic in a competitive environment. But to me, if I'm, one of my faults as a player is that if I'm not invested in what I'm playing, I'm gonna do worse. Hmm. I'm not gonna spend as much time on it, I'm not gonna put as much effort into learning different lines, I'm not gonna goldfish. And like, you don't need to do that as much with something like Time Vault, but Practicing with those decks is still going to be beneficial to you. So to me, there's no real investment for this kind of card. It's boring. I hate it. And it's potentially too good. Um, and so I just can't get enthused. I can't get 
it's not there's nothing for me and i don't feel like i have a lot of opportunities to like <clears throat> flex my knowledge of my archetype with the time vault deck. so you crave complexity in your games you feel that if, like if you're going to dome somebody out you at least have to do the dance well i think the complexity drives me to get invested for it yeah mm. it's just like if i if i don't have a reason to be passionate about what i'm doing then why am I, why am i doing it right and so Maybe that's why I got so upset with Collector Oof and whatnot. <laughs> but yeah, to me, it, it's it's definitely a crutch, but it's also like because of my personal investment in stuff like eggs, I feel like I'm able to win matches that I probably wouldn't be able to do with other decks where I'm just like, oh, pester mate. Splinter Twin on this, and I guess I'll kill you. <laughs> But there was a time when you played Time Vault. Mm -hmm. mm, yeah, I played Vault, but also, like, most of my Vault play was also in a deck with Maelstrom 1. Yeah, it was the Cascade <laughs> deck. So, Tough like, affair. Also, yeah. what better way to understand your distaste for something than to, you know, really... Oh, this is before he hated Vault. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean, is that, but like, you can develop... I can I can pinpoint that. when I started hating Vault. Yeah? Yeah. I, I know the very specific. It was a match against Allison. It was game three. I believe this was winning in for the finals or for winning the entire event. I'm playing a Grixis Fault deck. I'm in a commanding position. I have a Zealous, Cons Zealous Conscripts in play. And I cast a Vampiric Tutor. And she's tapped out. She's got nothing. I Oh, no. She, she has a creature. She has some creatures. And I don't know why. I could get Splinter Twin. And I can kill her right there, right then. I believe win the event. My dumbass gets Toxic Deluge. <laughs> and I haven't... I will not... I haven't let it go. And that's why you hate Vault? Well, I was playing a Vault deck. To me, I, I don't know why. It's just because I was playing this deck that was so just A plus B boring. I messed up. And I'm just like... I because I overthought it. Like I should have just been like, oh, I'm I think, what do I have? What do I get? So you hate Time Vault. Yeah. Because you misplayed one time. I misplayed yes. Yes. It it started off a, a it started off a, a um a, a cascading series of events where I'm just like I I No further questions, I, I Your care. Honor. Because yeah. I didn't care. I just I was like, all right, well, what am I doing here? <laughs> All right, friends. Well, I think with that, we're going to end the roasting. We'll see if uh, if we come back to another episode next week, if uh, if our friendship can survive putting each other in the hot seats. Uh, let's move to our closing segment, Powerful Magic. Uh, and up today is me. Uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bring us uh, bring us back to an old story. This is probably like seven or eight years ago. And I was going to tell this story even before the tales of, of today, but I think it's it's extra appropriate. I was playing Wheeler. And I was playing Enchantress. <clears throat> uh, and this was back in the earlier days when I wasn't as familiar with uh, with the archetype. I wasn't that, all that familiar with magic. I played a lot of Enchantress early on in my, in my Highlander career. I really liked it. And this is before I think a lot of people really started diving into it too. So I was making a lot of, a lot of mistakes, figuring out a lot of stuff. Uh, and so the game started off uh, at the way a lot of magic games do. I had a ley line of the void in play in my opening hand, and so it kind of started off there. Um, uh, and then I started doing which what Enchantress uh, does best. 
uh, I forgot about winning, and <laughs> I did my absolute best to not die. So, you know, you're trying to gain life, you're playing cantrips, you're playing tax effects, you're playing propaganda, you're doing all this stuff. Um, and I drew uh, an enlightened tutor. Uh, and I remember uh, going to Ben, I don't even remember what Ben is on and stuff like that. End step, uh, I cast enlightened tutor. And I just remember Ben's face going like, oh no. You know, you know, Ben didn't much on the poker face there. <laughs> and just I kind of slumps down and does all this stuff. And um, uh, Ben is familiar with my list. Uh, and has a couple of cards that he knows we're going for. And instead of going for the card in Ben's, Ben thought I was going to go for, I went and grabbed like moat <laughs> or something and I put it on top and I was like, yeah, I got you. And I look over expecting to see the terror in Ben's eye, the confirmation that I got the card that he was afraid of. And he just looks at me like I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, is this a game to you? you know, like, I'm like, well, that's, that's weird. You know, I cast Moat, <clears throat> and he's just like, okay. I'm like, what? So I lose that game. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm just like, what What was I supposed to tutor for there? And he's like, aren't you playing Helm of Obedience? Oh, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is, uh, which is a four mana artifact, and we talked about this in previous episodes. Uh, it's a combo if you have a card that exiles your opponent's graveyard. But because Leyline was in my opening hand, I had just forgotten that it was in play. And, and so Wheeler, Wheeler almost poker-faced himself into losing the game hmm. by assuming his opponent, me, would actually play the line that went towards winning as opposed to just throwing the card away. You toxic deluge to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you big dummy. And I never played Enchantress again. Wait, what? No, I still love Enchantress. <laughs> <laughs> Well, friends, uh, that's going to be our episode today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, want to let people know that Magic Fest Vegas is just around the corner, and there's going to be a whole bunch of us there. So hopefully we'll see you down and get an opportunity to play a bunch of Magic together. Uh, of the four of us here, myself and Wheeler will be there, but as well as a bunch of other wonderful humans from Loading Ready Run. Oh, they're going to add something. Uh, also just around the corner is PAX West. So if you're in the Seattle area, definitely come and say hi because so many of us are going to be there. I uh, want to remind you that North 100 is brought to you with support over at the Patreon at patreon.com slash loadingreadyrun. Uh, we've also recently turned on YouTube subscriptions. Thank you however you choose to support us, and we will see you next time. See you later.